Rabotai, good morning. Today's breakfast is sponsored in loving memory of Amy Haberly, Lunishmat Gitil Bracha Altalea, by Jimmy and Nathan Haber. We love you and miss you. And as well, by uh, the breakfast is sponsored by Stephen Rappaport in honor of Hazan Shmuel Levi, uh, one of the best Hazanim in the world, Hazaku Baruch Shmuel. Okay. So today I want to talk about a very interesting uh, idea. And this one, I think, happens to us on a daily basis. The Pasuk tells us, Yosef Yaakov is, is arranging his family in the meeting of Esav. He's arranging his family, he's putting them together in the desired uh, uh, layout. And who comes first, and who comes second, and who comes third? Finally, all the way in the back is Rachel and Yosef. And the reason why Rachel and Yosef are in the back is because he's trying to protect Rachel and Yosef from Esav. That's what it says. So the, uh, the Magid Mivilna, the, the Dubna Magid, <clears throat> used to say something unbelievable. His name was Rabbi Yaakov Yosef. And he said as follows, unbelievable, check this out. He says, we know that in next week's parasha, we start to read about the story, the unfolding saga of the brothers' jealousy of Yosef Sadiq. They were so jealous of the fact that his father had a wonderful relationship with him and that he loved him more than them, that it causes all sorts of problems. But the first time we begin hearing about it is in the next week's parasha. And the question he asks is, why doesn't it rear its ugly head, this hatred and jealousy of the brothers? Right now! What, you're putting him in the back? If I ever, God forbid, allow one of my children to sit in the front seat in the minivan too many times in a row, I get called out. You like him better, you like them better, da, 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 da. you always make me sit in the back. Now here it's the opposite. Rachel and Yosef, you're putting in the back because what's going on? So I read something unbelievable from the Dubna Magid, and you know what, it's magnificent. He says it's, there's a marked difference between later on when they're jealous and now. Where do we read that they become jealous of Yosef? When his father makes him a ketonet pasim, a coat of many colors. Or as we'll see when we read it in the following parasha, a different and alternate understanding in what this ketonet pasim was. And why they were so jealous just because he had a coat of many colors. Big deal. Has that ever bothered you so much that your brother got a shirt or a, you know, or a, whatever it might be, even if it was, you know, made by, you know, has that ever been such a big deal? I think maybe they were worried more about the movie deal and the, uh, the, the uh, Broadway show, the royalties that he would get in, you know, future, future uh, times. But either way, at the, at the time, it made, them, it made them so jealous and so upset because he made them that, but it didn't make them upset that he was protecting Yosef, Yosef's life literally with their lives. He was making them kaviyachol on some level, human shields for Rachel and Yosef. The answer, Rabotai, is magnificent. <clears throat> the answer is that when Yosef and Rachel were put in the back, the brothers didn't complain. You know why? Because they translated the reason why he loves he's putting Rachel and Yosef in the back is because he has a greater love for Rachel. She's the first one he met. She's the woman he fell in love with. Larvan, our grandfather, tricked him and we wound up marrying. Of course he loves our mother too, but he loves Rachel more. The reason why he loves Yosef, why is he putting Yosef in the back? It's not because of Yosef. It's because he's the child of the mother that he loves more. 
But the minute he made Yosef a ketonet pasim, a coat of many stripes, and at that time already, Binyamin was born. If he made Yosef the coat and not Binyamin, it illustrated that the fact that he loved Yosef had nothing to do with Rachel. Because he preferred Yosef over even Binyamin. So therefore, this was a singling out of one of the children. Now, I need you to hear this point. Our brains are marvelous creations. It, they erect and create for us the most elaborate excuses to allow us to believe and to think things that match the way we would like to see the world. They allow us to hear things in the way that we would like to hear them. So even though he's putting Yosef in the back, oh, that's not a problem. That's not why. It's not because he doesn't like me. It's because of his mother. It's because of this. It's because of that. And only when we are backed up against the wall and we can come up with no other explanation do our brains accept that which we do not want to believe. So the brothers tell themselves here uh, a, a convenient truth. Rabotai, we have another example of this in just another minute. <clears throat> the Pasuk says, He wants to travel with Yaakov. But why does he want to travel with Yaakov? What's his ulterior motive? He's saying, oh, let me walk with you. Let me travel with you. Esav wants to keep Yaakov under his thumb. So Yaakov says back to me, he says, you know what? Fadal, you have all grown men, horses, experienced horseback riders. Why don't you ride ahead? Let, you know, travel ahead. I'm going to kind of walk out there slowly with my children, with the sheep, but I'm coming. I'm, I'm coming to you. Well, guy says, Fadal for lunch. He says, oh yeah, I'm coming. I'm coming to lunch. Why don't you go ahead? Then you don't turn up, you're like, oh, something happened with this, with that. You know, but you know, I'm coming, I'm coming with you. <clears throat> the, there's an amazing story that happened right here in New York City. The uh, Panovich was famous for being an absolute warrior of God. He was someone who lost his entire family, literally. He lost everything. His wife, all of his children, he lost everything, everything, everything to the Nazis, Yemach Shemam. He gets to Eretz Israel and decides he's going to rebuild. However many kids they took, we want to make more. They destroy the yeshivot, we'll rebuild. He builds the yeshiva and becomes the father of all the people in the yeshiva. To the point that he would go himself and make sure that people had blankets and blank people had pillows. He was a remarkable person. He raised the money. People couldn't afford to go to yeshiva. They didn't have a tuition crisis. He went and raised all the money. So on one of the trips when he came to New York City to raise the money for the Panovich Yeshiva to rebuild. He finds himself on the tube. On the, what do we call it here? On the subway. Sorry. He finds himself on the subway. I, I hereby apologize to my American employers for dragging some of my... Uh, but you know what? It's always going to be a part of me. Sorry. He goes on the subway. And all of a sudden he sees a bunch of guys kind of slowly maneuvering their way in the train to kind of get closer and cut him off in a corner. He's a very smart guy, knows exactly what's happening. And by the way, we will all remember that the subway that we ride on today in New York City, the way it is today, is not the way it was back then. I remembered as a child listening to, you know, on the news where someone was shot so that they could take his sneakers, okay? So he's trying to think, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And he remembers the beautiful words of Ramban. Ramban says, 
In the beginning of this week's parasha, in this parasha we have a remez ledorot for all eternal generations. Everything that happened to our forefathers, is always going to happen to us with the nations of the world. So much so the Gemara tells us that the, the, Rishon, the Tanaim and Amoraim, when they would go to Rome, before they would go for the meetings with the Senate, with the Caesar, they would sit down and they would study the whole parasha Vayishlach. They would read it over for clues, for ideas as to how to deal with a hostile, uh, non-Jewish uh, uh, host country at the time. So the Panovich Rebbe, he thinks quickly, he reaches in his pocket, he pulls out a map, uh, you know, with an address written on it, he walks right up to the biggest guy in the group, and he puts the map in his face, and he says, you know, I'm trying to get here. How do I get here? And the guy looks at all the other guys, he thinks, oh, brilliant. Why do we got to do it over here? Someone could see the train station, the windows. We'll take him off the train. You know, wherever he's going, at the stop he's going, we'll take him down, you can see, you know, we'll take him down some quiet alley. There we'll take our time, beat him up, take whatever he's got. The guy says, oh, don't worry, it's, uh, it's the next stop. The Panovich Rabbi knew exactly where it was. He says, don't worry, it's the next stop. You'll get off with us, we'll walk with you. He says, thank you so much, you're so kind, I can't believe it, I never would have got there without you. Anyway, the train pulls up at the stop, the door's open. They're waiting. The rabbi says, Fadal, you know, get off the train, you know, uh, show me where to go. So the guy shepherds everybody off. He gets off the train. The rabbi sits there, you know, f- fiddling with his bags. They're all waiting for him outside. And while he's fiddling with his bags, door closes, takes off, alamak. <laughs> they asked the Panovich Rebbe afterwards, how did you know how to deal with the situation? He says, I immediately began to think the words of the Ramban and how to get saved. And I remembered that that what happens with Esav happens with every other generation. And I remembered that Yaakov Avinu, when the time came, what did he say? You go ahead. You, you go ahead. And I will go slow. And I remembered exactly those words. I did exactly those words. And my, either my money or my life was wound up being saved. Rabotai, that guy... The guy he walked up to with the address, why didn't he know that he was being played? It's so hard to know that you're being played when the words that you're hearing are the words that you want to hear. When the guy's telling you that this is out of deal, he's giving you the things in the deal that you want, it messes with your brain. Because your brain's oh, fantastic, fantastic. We always think that things are turning out the way we want them to turn out. We always try and imagine the situation should be the way we want it to be. We're most on guard, by the way. I don't know if you've ever had this in a meeting where someone brings up the meeting, all the things that you don't want. You notice people's body language. Their back is no longer against the chair. Their heck here like this. Half of their backside is off the chair. They're leaning forward into the table. You know, there's, there's because you're hearing something that's getting, getting, rubbing you the wrong way. Rabotai, calm. The same words that we say to uh, Yaakov said to Esav, let them run ahead. You go slow. Not just in the physical sense, but also in your thought process. When your children are telling you, you know, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do this, ask yourself, hold on, hold on. Why are they telling me all these things that I, I desperately want from my child? How come they're telling me if they switch schools, they're going to go to shul and they're going to do this and they're going to do... Th- what are they telling me? How come they're telling me this? Instead of just being overjoyed that this is what they're saying, slow down. 
the first and foremost uh, uh, responsibility of the brain is to be a brain. And Be'ezat Hashem will be zocheh, to be able to discern in all times what actually is going on around us and through that protect ourselves and those that are our most dear. Baruch Adonai Le'olam.